This is the Public Speaker. Quick and dirty tips for improving your communication skills with your host, Lisa B. Marshall. This week's episode is the last of the three-part series on how to be a great guest speaker. It's a continuation of the week before. And as a recap, Barbara Nixon inspired me to write these 17 tips to be a great guest speaker. The first two articles covered tips one through 10, and today's episode will discuss the remaining seven tips. If you haven't already read or listened to part one and part two, it might be a good idea to do that first. You may remember that I started off this series with what I feel is the most important tip. Learn as much as you can about your audience. I've repeated that now three times because it's critical to the success of a guest speaker and, well, because I like to follow the rule of three. In the second installment, the focus was on preparing for things that could go wrong. And that's where we pick up today with tip number 11, don't count on an internet connection. I can never, never, never count on the internet working 100% properly when I arrive at a site. So if you're planning to show YouTube or a TED video clip or any sort of video clip, I think it's better to download the video to your computer and show it from there. I know Barbara likes to use YouTube Downloader, which is a free app. If you plan to demo a certain website or some software, I think it's sometimes better just to use Snagit or Command-Shift-4 on a Mac, and then you can take and save a few screen captures. That way you can show the screen captures in case something goes wrong during the presentation. In fact, I think unless you absolutely need to use a live website, screen captures are better. You can make them larger, you can use highlights, you can emphasize certain areas. I really do think it's better. But I do know that sometimes it is more powerful to do a demonstration with a live application or with a live website. So in that case, you do need to arrive extra, extra early to run through the demo on site, not just in your office, but on site to ensure that it'll run smoothly. Oh, and don't forget, a hardwired connection is always better than a wireless connection because it'll run faster. And today, for the most part, you need to request a hardline connection. Next, be sure that you include key information in your presentation, such as your contact information, the hashtag, any additional resources that you're planning on offering or mentioning during your presentation. You can include that at the beginning or the end of your presentation. Barbara and I both like to have a detailed contact information slide as our last slide. Though sometimes I do put that slide up during the Q&A session, but I usually put it up at the end of the Q&A as part of the available additional resources. If you refer to websites or blogs in your presentation, I think it's good to create a set of social bookmarks so that your audience can find all the links in one place. Of course, instead of them furiously trying to scribble down all the addresses during your presentation. I know Barbara mentioned that she uses Delicious for her social bookmarks, and that way she can let the audience know ahead of time where to find all the links. Another option is to tweet the links during the presentation and then just give the hashtag. I usually just put all the links into a PDF document and then make that document available for download. If you plan to share your slides, it's usually a good idea to just upload your slides to SlideShare about a day before the presentation. And if you wish, you can keep your slides private till just before the presentation or just after the presentation. Another alternative is to provide a protected PDF of the slides, and then you can just send the PDF to your contact, and then they can send it on to the audience ahead of time. Next, tip 14 is the show must go on. You need to be prepared to speak, even if you don't look good or if you don't feel quite well. Barbara once got caught in a deluge just before she opened her car door when arriving at a speaking event, and even with an umbrella, she was drenched. 
Her shoes, her blazer, her sleeves were all literally dripping. So what did she do? She dashed to the restroom, grabbed some paper towels, mopped up what she could, put a smile on her face, and delivered the presentation. Just a few months ago, I was at the airport waiting for a flight when I received a phone call from someone, and I was told that someone very close to me had died. And even though I was at the gate, somehow, I'm not sure how this happened, but somehow I managed to miss the flight. I didn't hear the announcement, and I completely just missed the flight. So luckily, I had followed my own advice. I had allowed ample time for travel and also made sure there was another flight after the one I had scheduled. So even though I would have preferred to just go home and scrap the presentation, I waited six hours until the next flight and ultimately delivered this presentation on time. The idea is that the show must go on because your contact and the audience, they're counting on you. Next, I've created and I always review my speaker checklist. That's the stuff I need to bring with me to the presentation. And here are some of the things I've got on my list. Of course, my computer and the power cord. I also remember to bring my VGA adapter because I have a Mac. I like to bring my own presentation remote because I'm comfortable with it. I always have my cell phone with me, of course, with the emergency contact already in the phone, the emergency contact that is for the event. I have both the soft and hard copy of the confirmation email which for me includes the address of the event, the building name, the room number, or the name, all the details that I need in order to make sure that I'm at the right place. I also bring in extension VGA cable, extra AAA and AA batteries, a power strip or a squid, a bottle of water, lots and lots of business cards because you always get asked after a presentation, hard copy of the presentation just in case something goes wrong, and of course, a USB backup with the presentation loaded in both Mac and PC format. I also sometimes bring external speakers with me. If I'm doing an important presentation, I'm not sure about what their sound system's like. I'll bring that as well as a 3.5 millimeter audio cable. Sometimes I bring hard candy and throat lozenges if I've been talking a lot. I always bring evaluation sheets and, of course, comfortable shoes. I do use a written list. I found that over the years, it's helped me to not forget things. I tend to get overly confident, forget things. And sometimes if I'm just a little bit nervous, it helps me to remember things even when I have the jitters. Next, be sure to write or at least review your introduction. After all, who knows you better? Who knows why you're uniquely qualified for this particular audience and this particular topic? If you're not sure how to do that, I did write an episode on that. It's called What to Say When Introducing a Speaker. And of course, that includes introducing yourself. It's best to give your introduction to your contact ahead of time, but I find it's also good to bring a copy with you because sometimes I switch the person who does the introduction. And if your name is difficult to pronounce, leave a voicemail a day ahead of time that includes the proper pronunciation of your name, and then again, review it when you get there. After understanding the audience, that was the very first tip I gave you, I'd say this part, the great introduction, is extremely important to be an effective guest speaker. And it's also important not just to have a good introduction or a great introduction, but it should be delivered by somebody who's highly credible within the organization. And sometimes that takes a little bit to ferret out who is the appropriate person to be delivering your introduction. And finally, even if you have followed all of these tips, if you're boring or you don't deliver a clear, concise, and compelling presentation, you're not going to be successful you always need to know how to engage your audience from the opening to the closing of the talk. You need to know how to sound better by punching up your delivery. It needs to be organized. Perhaps you follow the rule of threes. You need to make your points stick. You need to use and incorporate gestures. You need good eye contact. 
You need to sound conversational. You have to incorporate great storytelling and use good diction. And finally, it's most important to be passionate, to be effective and authentic, and perhaps even add some humor to your talk. Of course, you shouldn't go over your time limit and you shouldn't read your notes and never use non-words like um and ah. And you're in luck because I've written episodes about each and every one of these things. How to engage your audience, openings and closings, how to sound better organized, all the things I just mentioned. There's all separate episodes on that. So if you haven't listened to them, you might want to go back and do that or maybe re-listen to refresh. So there you have it. The conclusion of the series, 17 quick and dirty tips to help you be enjoyable, memorable, and easy to work with as a guest speaker. I don't want you to be that speaker. You know, the high maintenance one or worse, the boring, irrelevant one. Have fun and let me know if I forgot anything. This is the public speaker, Lisa B. Marshall, passionate about communication. Your success is my business. And again, I'd like to thank Barbara Nixon for inspiring and contributing to this article. Thanks, Barbara. I really appreciate it. Also, I wanted to let you know that I did ask if anyone had additional tips. So as a special bonus to those that are still listening, see, it pays to listen to the advertisements. There's some more tips coming your way. Olker from Germany writes, Far too often I've experienced speakers that start their talk by giving an excuse. Sorry, I didn't have enough time to prepare. Or sorry, I'm not a very good speaker. And I always wonder, what's the point of that? Either your presentation will be interesting and engaging and you'll be able to connect with your audience, or it won't. Making excuses beforehand won't make them any more sympathetic to you. Imagine going to a bakery and having the sales clerk say to you, sorry, the bread's just not that tasty. Will that help the bread bakery's business? Will you go there again? So prepare ahead of time, do your homework, or face the consequences and learn from it. Volker, I can't believe that I forgot that one. It's one of my favorite pet peeves. I can't stand when people start out with an excuse. So I'm so glad you brought that up. And yes, I agree with you 100%. No excuses. Just start. Just talk. I also heard from Pastor Ty Ritter, and he wrote, I'm a pastor, and occasionally I do some public speaking, some guest speaking, and we have guest speakers at our church at times. One thing that seems to help a guest speaker connect with an audience is when the guest either has a personal relationship or knowledge of the host and has done his homework on the host. That is, they can pay a sincere compliment to the host or identify with the vision or the mission of that organization. A sincere compliment can help win friends and influence people. I see this as distinctly different from knowing the audience because the focus in this case is connecting with the leader or the speakers of that particular organization and the people are familiar with those speakers. If the relationship is strong enough and it's appropriate, a little collegial roast of a host or self-deprecation because of the envy of the host's success or achievements, that can be effective to break the ice. But obviously, you need to know the host well enough and have a strong enough relationship to have fun, to have some playful fun. Ty, I think you're right. For a motivational type of presentation, it helps to have and establish a relationship with the person who's introducing you. I think sometimes that's a little bit more difficult to do in a business setting, but I definitely agree for a motivational speech that that's important. Go on over to the Facebook page and you'll see a couple more tips there. One from Ty and another one from Amy Russell. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Ty. And thanks, Volker. 
If you have questions about how to communicate better at work, leave a voicemail at 206-350-7970 or email publicspeaker at quickanddirtytips.com. Sign up for Lisa's newsletter or get information about speeches and workshops by visiting lisabmarshall.com. You can find a transcript of this show and links to connect with Lisa at publicspeaker.quickanddirtytips.com.